Hey, it's Mark Kinsley. This hey, is Mark Quinn. It is Mark Quinn. Is, are you Mark Quinn? That's what I I've am. heard that That's, from people. It's true. And today, the official color is coral. Coral. Right? He has a whale on his shirt. I have some mountains. Whale. Whales. Hey, super excited to kick off our official sponsorship with our headline sponsor is Nationwide Marketing Group. And as part of teaming up with Nationwide, we get to tell some of the stories of their incredible independent retailers. And you actually talked to somebody. Who did you speak with? You guys didn't patch me in, by the way. I, well, I, he specifically asked you not to be on the call. He said, hey, Mark Kinsley. No, he's like, that dude wears a vest. Like, I'm not talking to him. So anyway. I thought we were done talking about this. No, vest. we're not done. <laughs> so no, Greg Law uh, and Katie, his wife, I didn't get to talk to Katie, but... Uh, he gave her a lot of credit. They, I think they run the business together. But Sweet Dreams in North Carolina, they've got four stores. And so Mr. Whitaker uh, uh, connected us and he said, hey, man, these are really great guys. You got to talk to them. So I got him on the phone and he was right. Like I could have, he's just one of these guys that I could have talked to for probably a couple hours. And so I asked him about Nationwide and why they are with Nationwide. And he said they joined in 2014. And he said they helped us realize that we're in the people business. And I thought that was a really interesting answer that he said that is one of the things, the big benefits he got. And I thought, wow, that says a lot about Nationwide, that they value it enough that here's a member that puts that right at the top of the list as to what value he gets from them. And then he went on to say that he really loves the workshops that come uh, when you go to the sessions and he just talked about how much he learned from other retailers. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, so being in a room, sitting at a table, learning from other people in the same industry. And so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, the prime media he mentioned, I think that's probably a big for everyone that they help him do his marketing stuff. And then the learning Academy that Whitaker talked about. So anyway, all kinds of great things to say about nationwide. And I just want to say, this is a guy we need to have on the show. You know why? Because he's doing really cool stuff with digital. He's a family-owned business. He, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna tease this, and we'll have him on the show to tell us. But his his company is Sweet Dreams. He's got an, an acronym. That's it, right? So each letter stands for something, and it's the D R E A M and S. And it's really cool what he's done with that. So I can't wait to tell everyone about that, or have him tell us How about that. Yeah. Hey, we'll tease it like that. We'll say let's have uh, have him on the show to tell more about that story. You know what stands out to me also that I love is that whenever you just look at like a menu of services on a website or in a brochure and you're like, okay, do I need all these things? What's the cost? That wasn't, I mean, I'm sure that's valuable in the prime media. You mentioned that, but it was being there in person, interacting with other retailers, realizing you're in the people business. It was the human element no that was highlighted at every touch point. And I think that's so important. And I think that's a huge differentiator going into the mattress universe, mattress city, mattressville of the 21st century that, you know, the new world that we're heading into. No doubt. And Greg law and his wife, Katie, uh, thank you, Greg, for your time. Loved looking at your site. Loved talking to you, by the way. Um, I, I said I got good news and bad news for you at the beginning of the call. And this is a sense of humor. Like the bad news is Kinsley's not going to be on this call. <laughs> no, I didn't get there. I could have argued that would be good news. But I said, which do you want first? And Greg says, give me the good news first. And I said, your virtual reality tour on your website is as good as any I've seen. I really enjoyed it. I could literally go look through your store on your website without um, ever having been there. That was the good news. The bad news is... 
I saw a YouTube video of you and your wife try to do some kind of high five, like really cool handshake. And it might've been the lamest one I've ever seen. (laughs) He starts cracking up. He's like, all right. I'm like, come on, man. Like NBA, you see him do all these like really fancy handshakes and uh, he was cracking up. So he said, he's going to go study some cool handshakes. Study up on the high five. Study up on the high fives. You know, Hey, here's good. Great sense. Here's what I want the law family to do for us. Will you please develop your own Ooh, proprietary high like five. That. There you go. And then like when people come into your store, if they give you that high five, Ooh. they get some sort of secret. Automatic five percent off. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. <laughs> or send it to us and uh, we want to see what you do and uh, we'll post it on the Facebook page. So I love that's it. Hey, it. yeah. And if you want to find out more about Nationwide Marketing Group and all the services and ways to get plugged in, head to nationwidegroup.org. That is nationwide group.org check them out dos marcos podcast it's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet wait isn't this the only mattress industry podcast He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together they are dos marcos I'm on the phone yesterday with Dave Perry. So I'm in my car. I'm at my son's track meet. I try to make everyone that I can because I travel too much. And uh, so when I'm in town, I definitely try to go. So I'm on the phone with Dave Perry. I'm sitting in the car. I don't want to get out of the car uh, with all the noise because you've got starting guns going off and announcements going off. So, you know, I stayed in as long as I could. But I had so Nick was about to jump. So I got out of the car. And so I'm walking around right on the perimeter of the event, right? And so I'm on the phone. I'm not paying attention. And you know I'm not the most graceful person, right? But you were there when Sasquatch clearly attacked me. Yeah, and, San Francisco uh, happened. And I took a spill at McCroskey's place. So anyway, I'm on the phone. Didn't see the curb. Yeah. Hit the curb. Totally twist my ankle. You know that crunch you hear when you do that and you roll it? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm down. I'm man down and phone on the concrete case is completely broken off of it. Keys falling out of my pocket, glasses off of my head. And I'm in so much pain. I can't even it, when, when you're in pain and people are like asking you, hey, man, are you OK? Doesn't that bother you? It's a, it's a major like, hold on. Maybe some blood is shooting out of yeah, part of my I, body. I, and I need to think. Maybe I'm not okay. So maybe I just things want to are not say going to everyone, well. Just shut up. I'm not. No, I'm. I'm. I'm down. I have my face covered up. I'm clearly not okay. Stop asking me. If oh, I'm okay. you had your hands over your face. Just stop it. Yes, I. I had. It's like an arm resting. You know what I'm saying? Like an arm. Don't look at my eyes. No. It's really bad. Don't even look at my eyes. That's but how I'm, bad. But it I'm is. kind of moaning. I don't want to see all the blood I, I, and cuts. I don't even want to see it. I'm kind of moaning <laughs> a little bit. And so the worst part. So. All I hear are these high-pitched voices. So I'm right by the event. These kids run over. They go, mister, mister, are you okay? And I'm like, what are we in like the 50s? Were these kids in black and white? Yeah. (laughs) Mister, (laughs) Mister, are you okay? says that, first of all. And so then the track coach comes over and they're all And they look down at you and it was silent. And they go, wait a minute. Isn't that the Mattress Podcast uh, guy? (laughs) No. And so they gather around me. Everyone's like, are you okay? And now the pain starts to subside. And you're just freaking embarrassed, right? So anyway, I get up. Everything's fine. I thank everyone. They offered to tape my ankles or to track me. So I'm sure they have all that. I'm like, nope. And I just limp off like as, <laughs> as, as quietly as I can. So we're over there. I'm over talking to my wife five minutes later. Just get done telling her this story. 
Nick, my son, 14-year-old kid, doesn't want to be embarrassed, runs over to me. He says, Dad, I just had five friends come over and tell me that you were laying in the street writhing in pain. I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry. So anyway, I made it to him like that fast. So. But you know what worries me about that story initially? Like if I'm a bystander and like the starting gun goes off, bang, and you go down about the same time, I'm like, what just happened? Shot. It's like I'm that shot. Chuck Norris video. Oh, dude. man. I Yeah, I was out there. I, I, was, I was down. This must have been like the week for stuff like that well, to happen. You've got a scab on you. I mean, I'll show from? it to the Facebook. Uh, and Facebook by the way, this, this is not that bad, but... I'll show it to the Facebook Live people. There so that's just a taste. This this type of action goes Can all the way that? down the Can left side. That? Does it hurt when you do that? <laughs> you slap it harder Did if you're going to slap sorry. it, okay? Did At least numb fact. it up. Did it hurt? It's Okay, so, so you that's, went down. What, that's you're down the, the whole bike, left side of my body, yeah. Really? The whole side? Yeah. You have a big bruise. And then said. I have a baseball size bruise that actually is black today. I too, wow, wow. Uh, so, but anyway, you know, so I went down on my mountain bike and it's like one of these little mm. treks that I do all the time. I've been down it probably 50 times. And for some reason I got going too fast over one section. And if you do that, the next section like launches you up into the air. So you've ridden this track before many times. So you kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. I probably got too confident on it. it. Yeah. Right. And so it kind of clipped me off. And next thing I know, my handlebar catches a tree Ooh. and I, I remember like a split second being like ragdoll time. <laughs> go limp, go limp, yeah, go limp. And sure enough, I'm glad I did because I'm skidding down the gravel at that point along my side. And my helmet did like, I have a helmet that covers like down the back of my mm -hmm. head and it did like pink. I mean, it clicked pretty hard. And then these kids, <laughs> Mr. <No>. Mr. <laughs> Are you okay? Two kids to came add by. To the embarrassment. Yeah, and I right. go. I, oh, I looked man. at the first one that went by, and I go, "Yeah, I think, I think so." And I'm looking around, kind of the same story. Like, am I bleeding? And, and now you're bleeding, though. So you say that you are, and you're dripping blood. And they're like, "Ah, uh, dude, you're really not. Like, you're bleeding." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't see it from that. F he was a little. Oh, okay. He was probably like ten yards away. And then the second kid came through. But I tell you what happened next is I got up and I went and rode six miles after that. Wow. Because I thought if I don't go now and just keep You have to get back on the horse on it, Yeah. Yeah. And then, hey, I'll tell you the good news out of it though. I was wearing one of my Kippo prototypes, Ooh. my shorts. Yeah. And I got this new fabric and I was really excited about it. I'm like, I want to go mountain bike in them and check it out. So I get back home after like, and I was torn up really bad. Um, and I'm, you know, your body like inflammation sure. kicks in and you're not feeling good. So I sit on the back steps and I'm just like chilling outside. My dogs are with me and I look down at my shorts and I start wiping the mud off after my ride and I keep wiping it off. I'm like, these things are in perfect shape. And I washed them, pulled them out of the dryer. They're in perfect shape. I'm not like, so, so it actually, it informed the fabric that I'm going to use on the next yeah, run. I, you know, maybe it's just me, but I think you should test it differently next time. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I should give them to you at a track meet. <laughs> and then like, I know like Stop. what happens That's when you go down nice. on concrete. That's not nice. Man. It's going to so, be. So can I ask you a question? When you do something <laughs> like that and you come home, is Tara empathetic? Does she feel sorry for you? Is she, or when you come in, she's like, what did you do now? Uh, she's the second version. Yeah. What did you the do? The latter, now? not the former. Yeah, yeah. She's I, like, well, uh, Hey, married to the same look, person I just, I do not want you hurt. Okay. I don't want you with like your leg in a cast, like in one of those elevated things. 
she's not very empathetic. She just wants me to be safe. And I'm like, hey, mm. things happen. You know, I downplay it. I'm like, it's no big deal. Hey, man, I ride. I'm going to be okay. I ride, therefore I am. Yeah. All right. I mean, so, if you do crazy things, crazy things are going to happen, and crazy things are happening in the mattress but industry but, right but now, But you got to live. You're right. Great segue. By the way, I want to say hello. We've got Ann, Ann Olson, Dale Reed. Thank you, Dale. Roger joined us, and Tom. So I, I want to mention this. I launched, Intense headline. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, Tom. Well, you know, so Tom, I spent a lot of time with Tom. Yeah, uh, Tom's Tom's assessment of the vest world is questionable, by the way. No, I think Tom nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. I think it was perfect. But Tom, just kidding, Tom is with Famous Tate, and I launched Spink & Co. with those guys. And can I just tell you what a class organization, Jeff Willis, the buyer, uh, is uh, I really enjoyed working with him to get it all done. But we had three days or two days of training, three different groups. And I'm going to tell you, they were so fired up. I actually posted a little video. It was an amazing couple of days. I saw that you had everybody in the background. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool, man. They got all fired up. And Tom was a big part of that. Tom was actually in Vegas at Market. He went and saw our stuff. Total advocate, big time mattress geek, went through Sleep Geek University. Nice. And anyway, it was just a, a great experience. I love those guys. Fantastic retailer in Florida. So thank you guys for being so generous and great and, and uh, generous with me and uh, welcoming me and the hospitality that you gave. So pretty cool couple days. Yeah. Well, anyway, and you were in Florida. What, I've heard Florida. like I've heard like a weird theory about you being in Florida. Yeah, it's it's so the correlation. And by the way, just yeah. to clarify. You are not Florida man. I'm not Florida man. But okay, so in the last a... episode. No, so uh, Jeff Willis sends me a text yesterday, and he said the industry is never going to want you to go to Florida again. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you came to Florida, and in one week you had Stagner resigning, Traub resigns, Mattress One files, and chaos ensues. And so I was laughing about that. And then I get the article sent to me about Casper, claiming that they've pretty much KO'd the entire industry and because of who they are, Traub resigns, Stagner resigns. So I thought, you know something? Me going to Florida is no more a cause of that than Casper is a cause of that. What do you think? Okay, so I'm going to take a different tack on this. It just irritates the crap it out of It is irritating whenever somebody... Not le- Jeff Willis, but Casper. Yeah, okay. well, Casper's leaping in and saying, we caused all of this. Now... Let that's me, some, let me, that's some arrogance, let me take it a different way, though. Had bet in the box online companies like Casper, Tuft & Needle, Lisa mm-hmm. not come into the mix, would all of these things we're talking about today happen? Um, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say, right? And there's no doubt that the e-commerce guys have had an impact. No question about that. But to suggest that they are somehow responsible for what's been going on this week is um, not authentic. It's not genuine. It's uh, misrepresenting their role in this industry. They are not that big. They're just not. I'm sorry. Now, like I said, they've made an impact for sure. It's been disruptive for sure. But it dang sure did not cause what happened this week. That's what I know for sure. Fair? I think it's fair. What, right. So let's like break down what happened this week. So Serta's CEO, Michael Traub, resigns. Steve Stagner, chairman of the board, CEO, mattress firm is leaving. Yep. Um, Temper Sealy is obviously purchasing IMS, a very large retailer out of bankruptcy. Uh, mattress One announcing bankruptcy. Right. So you have like, if I were going to, I've been trying to summarize this in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about this as almost a giant 
reset under the new reality. Lot, is this a big a, reset? That's an interesting way to look at it. I think you could argue that it is. Um, so let's start at the top here. What do you say? And we'll, we'll peel these off one by one. Uh, Steve Stagner, a couple decades at Mattress Firm, started in Atlanta building a business. My brother was actually involved with that. My father was actually involved with that. Build a great business, sell it to the corporate entity. He moves into the um, office there in Houston underneath Gary Fazio, ends up taking over as the CEO of Matt Firm. Uh, later leaves, Ken Murphy takes over as CEO of Mattress Firm. Steve goes in as chairman of Mattress Firm. Um, Ken Murphy leaves, Steve Stagner takes back over the reins and um, ends up as CEO, gets them, Mattress Firm files bankruptcy. Stagner uh, ushers them through that and leaves afterwards. So that's the chronology of that. So this, the implications of Stagner leaving, I mean, I think a lot of people were talking about this prior to Stagner coming back in after Ken Murphy uh, left Mattress Firm. And people were saying, you know, especially once Stagner came back in and then bankruptcy declared, Stagner's just there to get Mattress Firm through bankruptcy. That's what people kept, you know, telling me. So emerging on the other side of that, again, if if we're talking about the theme of reset, Mattress Firm going through an incredible reset, shedding about 700, 700 stores, getting rid of some of that bad debt and those leases. What does the Mattress Firm of 2019, late really 2020 and beyond look like? Well, I mean, you know, they're in search for a new CEO. So I think you have to, until you find that person, because um, I, I think that person, whoever's going to lead it, it's always very telling. Um, and, and I want to answer that because I think we need to talk about Tempur-Pedic coming back to Mattress Room because this is a big part of that. But just to rewind, if you look at what Steve did to give him some credit here, he built the largest border nation, see coast to coast is what I was looking for, coast to coast sleep shop in the country, national, legitimately. The first, owned, the first nationwide sleep shop. First nationwide coast to coast sleep shop. Uh, and he did terrific things for them in it as it relates to their, their training and um, kind of elevating that um, operationally. They did some good stuff and they grew quite a bit. Acquisitions off the hook, bought a bunch of people, consolidated the industry essentially. And um, so that's the good stuff. And then um, the problem was they hit a wall. The relative market share strategy was um, not well, it had some downside. Let's say that they well, overstored. Uh, explain that for people. What when you say yeah. relative market market share so strategy? The concept being, you go into a market and you store up, and it makes it unattractive for other retailers to come in. Uh, when so you, you have saturate a, the market with your stores. saturate the Real market with your play. stores, and it and it really helps because you when you do that, it spreads cost out, right? So advertising being a big line item for the sleep shop business. And so if you have a lot of stores, you can spread the cost out, right? And so you're able to capture market share. Problem is, they had so many stores that their people weren't getting paid what they needed to get paid to sustain a good lifestyle. They started losing people. The rent factors jumped sky high because in their thirst for acquisition, they overpaid for a lot of real estate. So that became a problem, and that's a big expense for them. Uh, and so, um, and when you have stores right across the street from other others, you dilute, um, what you're going to get out of those stores. So 
that was a big part of what threw them into a bankruptcy. And so the very business that he grew ended up being a victim of part of the strategy. And I don't pin Steve with that entirely. I think there's a lot of people that were involved in that decision, but um, I think that was a challenge um, and, and that's where they are. But now Steve got them through the bankruptcy and they turned the corner. So there's something positive for you there. You know, I've been, I just finished Hemingway's book for whom the bell tolls. I'm just trying to read some of the classic Hemingway stuff. I like to go to Key West. Hemingway's a big part of Key West. He is, no doubt. And in He that, wrote a lot there, did he not? He did. Yeah, yeah I've awesome. actually been to his house. It's a historical property. Dude shed his shirt, jumped in Hemingway's pool. Who? This guy, random guy. Really? And I'm sitting there, and the, the tour guide wasn't there yet. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to go for a dip. <laughs> and next thing I know, like he's coming back, and like he's getting out of the pool. And the guy's like, kind of like this hippie kind of stoner type guy. And he's like, hey, man. You can't do that. You can't do that, bro. You can't swim in Hemingway's you, you pool. Gotta, you got to leave. What the hell is wrong with you? You got to leave. He was clearly. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah. And the guy. The guy and you were right behind him right, there. Yeah. The guy grabs his sandals, takes his shirt, slings it over his shoulder, and goes, I swam in Papa's pool. <laughs> <laughs> and like nobody cheered for him is the bad, the bad part of it. Well, that's okay. He got his own thing going. So anyway, I was, uh, I was reading. I finished up For Whom the Bell Tolls. And you know, it's an old war. It's like. Uh, about this war, uh, and you just have to assume, I think the time period, it's a World War One in Spain, and it's this American guy, and this guy goes behind en- enemy lines, um, and then he comes back, and he's trying to get a message to his own people, mm. and he finally, like, they don't trust him, and the, the, you know nobody knows who anybody else is, and he finally gets the message to the guy, his name's Goltz, he finally gets the message to Goltz to say, stop this attack, Stop this attack. And by that time, the machine that they'd created, this war machine, had already kicked into gear and there was no stopping it. Even though it hadn't begun, so it's too the late. machine had already started so, moving n- forward. And so sometimes strategies, big operations, when you start going down a path, I often wonder how hard is it to undo the strategy that you're pursuing? And I wonder if Mattress Firm, like in the middle of this strategy that you talked about, was unable to get the message to Goltz to say, we got to stop this, even if they knew some of the reality. Well, you know, I think for them, if you're looking at building it to sell it, which I'm sure was always the 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 uh, objective, mm. you build it, and the more units you have, the more revenue there is, and that's one way to get growth versus organically, right? And so it probably served them very well uh in a lot of ways but it ended up you're being talking about the sale that when it were when they sold yeah, to you know, Steinhoff. when you're when you're trying to flip it uh and when they sold it to Steinhoff, they got a bunch of money for that and it's like hey we have now th- over three thousand stores here's our top line because you add all of that stuff in and you're going to get paid a multiple on your gross or your top line sales and profit right so anyway there's a lot of reasons for it. i'm not going to get into the weeds on that. But, um, anyway, Steve had a very long career in the industry. Um, you know, he, he, his, his time in the industry goes back to Stearns and Foster. He started as a Stearns and Foster rep. So he had a lot of time in the business. And, um, so there's a lot of good stuff with that. And there were some bumps along the way that everyone will experience. So he's, he's done, I think April 14th or something like that. He'll be out and they're looking for a new CEO. I think you should put your name in the hat. I didn't get a call yet. Well, I haven't either, so that's kind of weird. I think that's a little odd. Do they have something against guys in coral shirts? Uh, maybe. Or named Mark, more more likely. 
So hey, you know, here's the thing. Like any any you want to go in co co CEO? Ooh, we could <laughs> do that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, well, whoever whoever ends up in that job, it's going to have they're going to have a tough road to hoe. Um, no question. And there's there's no doubt about it. You have an organization that really has been um, you know, a culture created in large part by Steve Stagner. And your people are your culture, culture is your brand. Um, how does that brand end up? I mean, it does a, you know, we've had this debate on and off is a healthy mattress firm good for the mattress industry. And overwhelmingly people have said yes, even just for nothing else than raising the awareness of buying a mattress. No no doubt in my mind, a healthy mattress firm is good for the industry. There's no doubt. And they've got some great people there. Um, and I'm sure they'll find, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. Uh, very doubtful that they'll bring in anybody that's industry um, focused or has been inside. That's just usually not how it goes. So let's let's segue from that into the Michael Traub and then let's go back to what does the future mattress firm look like? Because, you know, right? What, Those things can be connected. Maybe, yeah, because the TSI well, conversation. Let's, let's so. pause right there. So the, the other big piece of news, if anybody hasn't heard, is Michael Traub is out as the CEO of SSB, Serta Simmons. What are the chances Traub and Stagner in the same week? That's so bizarre. You think you're start a... A rumor? Band together? A boy. <laughs> I don't like ex mattress industry guys boy band. Maybe something like that. You know. never know. I don't think either one of them can sing. They, um, you know, there's a song floating or dance. on the internet about vests that they might want yeah. to cover. Oh, there's some poetry there too. They might be able to. So yeah, Traub is out. And, so Traub is um, out. David Swift is in. Yeah, and so Swift was their chairman. Chairman of their board and uh, for the private equity group that yeah, owned. I can't figure out and no one can tell me if hey there Chad Crenshaw what's up brother what's up Chad uh, and so I think it's very interesting and great great uh, I think it's very interesting again here's a here's another thing so they had Traub he was an outsider um, and they're bringing in another outsider he's chairman of the board but I don't know that he's necessarily you could call him an industry guy. And so anyway, he'll be running it. I don't know if it's interim. I haven't heard. Everyone keeps saying it's not, but I don't know, you know, how that stuff goes. So who knows if he's, if he's going to be the guy or if they're actually going to look for someone else. I don't know. It's a recurring theme in the mattress industry. It's something that is not, you know, it's not the product of the two thousands and beyond. I mean, you know, so I handle everything at Englander and Kevin Toman had been running Englander and he retired April 1st, officially. And, you know, he was saying back in the day, he, you know, he's worked for, you know, Serta, he's CEO of Restonic. Um, and he said over the years, you know, when sales of companies he's worked for had happened, here come the Harvard MBAs parachuting onto his desk with their spreadsheets, sure. trying to tell him how to run the business. And they undervalued the relationships that people have in the industry and the complexity. They always do. And probably happens in every industry, but you know, that is just a theme and it's like, I don't know. It seems a little frustrating. I think at times for, you know, for us to look at that and say, why are we continuing, you know, to have that bubble up? But I guess it's just the product of the organization you're trying to run. You know, I, I, so you look in, so what is the legacy of Stagner and Traub, right? So you, you think about that stuff. And I think the, the reality is, um, the industry will judge that based on what you contributed to the company that you ran. Right. And so in Traub's case, um, what is the net 
positive, right? In Traub's case, um, I don't think that Serta Simmons grew at all. Um, I think you could make a strong case that Traub didn't value his people or necessarily the customer uh, because of some of the moves they made, the cost-cutting exercises, the massive cuts, the loss of um, people that made them who they are. Um, I think that they made that pretty clear early on. Well, and I'll, I'll take a, the opposite tack just for a second, though. I can't imagine the culture clash that happened when you bring two mortal enemies together, how much yeah, day-to-day no distraction and integration that takes. And that's going to be something that's... You're like, talking about Serta and Simmons here. Under Yeah, under yeah. Michael Traub. I mean, you were really trying to bring Serta Simmons together, formerly enemies, and create one culture. I mean, I being having been in a big organization, you know, with, with time at Legna Platt, it's like, you know... Turning a giant Titanic is very difficult, so it's going to take away, I think, from some of the core business activities that you want to achieve. But ultimately, everything rolls downhill. the The blame is going to get placed on the top. You know, I, I get, get I, I totally, I, I understand it, but I'm not like I'm sorry, but people have done it. It's doable. Uh, meshing culture, we both dealt with it at Leggett. Um, you know, it that that that's a massive, very deep, hundred year old culture that we had to navigate. They weren't necessarily marketing focused. We are marketing guys in an operational company. So we get that. I understand it, but it can be done. Great leadership can navigate that stuff. So I don't know. I guess that's all I would say. Um, but you know, the, the new people at Serta, they've got their hands full and Simmons in terms of product relevance, in terms of minimizing the downside of losing some of those people. And if you're the board, it's like, so so when Steve steps down, uh, and we're going to talk about temper going back to Matt from in a minute, but if you're the board of directors for Serta Simmons betting, do you hang this on Traub because he didn't um, prevent, you know, the potential um, reuniting of Sealy to uh, and Temper back to mattress room. So if you're looking at Traub, you're like, look, man, you better figure it out. You've got to come up with some killer products. You've got to do some stuff that makes Serta Simmons betting so incredibly good that they're not even looking at Temper anymore. Is that? Do you think he was charged with that? I think whenever you look to backfill such a significant percentage of a single retailer's business and you're the one that's going to be the new product on the floor. And you know that whenever people come into the market for a mattress, they will not be denied the opportunity in, in most cases to at least try Tempur-Pedic. The, the right. first, one of the first questions I think I'm going to ask is, okay, whenever the feathers are no longer ruffled and people come back to the table and start talking um, openly again, sure. meaning firm and Tempur-Pedic, where does that leave us after making a huge capital investment to in factories, in floor sample, marketing, marketing, yeah, no all doubt. Of it. Uh, you know, in hindsight's twenty twenty, but you have to believe on some level that the number one retailer and the number one brand are going to reconcile at some point and move forward. Um, I think to believe that that. You know, you're going to completely keep them off the rails and off, you know, back on their heels uh, is unrealistic. I mean, especially whenever you're talking about a public company in one case. Sure, no you doubt. Know? So, I, 
So let's do this. Let's go now. Let's because we're kind of there. Let's talk about the obvious, which everyone is talking about, which is the reuniting of mattress firm at Temper Sealy. The big rumor was that Scott Thompson didn't want to necessarily go back into mattress firm unless Steve wasn't there. There were some real hard feelings. As a matter of fact, I, I have this, <clears throat> this quote that, let's see, it didn't copy over. So, um, is that the, it right there? Yeah, it is, but it, it's, you want to read part of it? Cause you have part yeah, of it. Yeah. So actually, you know what? Give me, <laughs> this hang with is me, part of a quote. Me. Here we go. I got it. Quote. I got it. So the guy says that the, the firm noted that's, so this is Piper Jaffrey. Um, the firm noted that Stagner's tenure at Mattress Firm included the period when Temper Sealy Mattress Firm relationship deteriorated and ultimately blew up in what can only be described as an irrational and emotionally charged fallout because it made no economic sense for either party. Um, I gr- agree with that. I don't think you can charge Steve with that. I think it there was emotions on both sides, for sure. And so Scott Thompson, having the leverage in my opinion, in this deal because of their brand strength. Um, even though Mattress Room has the retail distribution platform, they got a lot of brand strength. And, you know, if having mat- if having Tempur-Pedic on the Mattress Room's floor, so what does that translate to? I think it translates to traffic, which is a big deal, and those big ticket sales. But I think Mattress Room actually was doing well in the big ticket sale category. They were actually getting their legs there. So anyway, I think that's it. So the question is, Kinsley, um, how big a deal is it that, you know, is Temper coming back to Matt Firm? I think that that's the foregone conclusion. And if it does, what is what does that mean to Matt Firm and what is the ripple effect from that? Go. My immediate, <laughs> well, my immediate reaction is there was a clear acknowledgement about the power of the Tempur-Pedic brand in mattress firms move to bring on a product under the therapeutic brand that triggered a lawsuit because they said it looked too much right. like a tempur product. So to me, that's a clear indication that that was a significant piece of our business and we see value in something that at least looks and feels like that. And, you know, the argument became from a legal standpoint that it created confusion in the customer's mind. And anyway, that lawsuit has disappeared um, but anyway, that, that was an indication, at least from mattress firm side, that the Tempur-Pedic brand mattered. We know it matters. It's relevant at retail. And so to not have it at the largest retailer is, is a major, is a major miss on the, on the part of everybody. When mattress firm had because Tempur-Pedic. It, I mean, people come in pre-sold, people come in pre-sold no doubt. and that's the big thing for RSAs no and retail. Like if you're running a large sleep shop, you know, the churn rate for RSAs is high. So if you're losing a lot of people, what do you want? Pre-sold customers. And Tempur-Pedic is one of the only brands that has that. So I would, yes, I agree. And I think that when Matt Firm had Tempur-Pedic, Matt Firm didn't get credit for all they did to help promote Tempur-Pedic's brand. Now that's a good and a bad thing. And here's why. Because Mattress Firm hung their hat on the Tempur-Pedic brand and didn't really develop their own brand to the degree that they could because they had Tempur-Pedic's brand to lean on. Is that a fair assessment of that? And so then they didn't have it anymore. And so that was a loss for them. But, and you know, Tempur-Pedic took a big, st- a, a big hit, by the way, in January, 2017, 
when Mattress from threw them out or Tempur-Pedic left, call it whatever you want, um, their stock price dropped by March 31st of that same year down to 46 bucks, and that's all I tracked. Wait, whose stock price and dropped? That was Tempur-Pedic stock that's price. That's TPI, okay. But then you look in the review mirror, okay, so how was how bad was it? This whole news of Mattress from maybe bringing them back, they opened today at 64 bucks. So they were at 68 when the whole thing blew up and today they opened at 64. So they're getting some credit in that stock price. I think, I think the street is liking where it's going. I think there's a lot of people that want them to get back together. Yeah. And I mean, I bet you can imagine what would happen if the announcement came out that Tempur-Pedia is going to be back on the floor of mattress firm to stock price. I mean, absolutely. We so know how these things work. let me ask you this, Kinsley. So for all the, so you know, Tempur-Pedia goes out, to a lot of regional players now that they don't have the distribution with Matt Firm. And they cut deals with big regional players saying, hey, we're out at Matt Firm and Temper Sealy, we're your guys and we're going to lean into you now. And they probably, you know, they have some good, strong partnerships. Now that they're potentially going to go back into Mattress Firm, what happens there? Is there a, a negative ripple from some of that stuff, do you think? Hard to hard to say, right? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, the other layer to this conversation is that you know Tempur-Pedic is now back in the retail business in a very big way. We know that Scott Thompson indicated on one of their investor calls that they've had some pretty aggressive moves into the retail space for Tempur-Pedic branded stores. Right. But they're essentially purchasing IMS, Kim Knopf's group, out of bankruptcy. And what are we talking, like 150 stores that that Temper Sealy now owns? Yeah. And so, like, they're going to be no stranger to the retail business, and everybody is competing with everybody now. No, That's no the doubt. new reality. We're just going to have to get our arms around that, I think. But here's the thing, man. Like, you're right. And in, in the, the thing is, there is not a single company in our industry that has the leverage that Tempur-Pedic does. And I'm, when I say Tempur-Pedic, that, that comment does not extend to Sealy or Stearns & Foster. It's the Tempur-Pedic brand. It is the Tempur-Pedic brand. And they stand for something. They've driven interest over the years with a great marketing approach. And that intangible value means something to the retailer. So guess what? They've got the leverage. And that's what the game is. And so if that's the case, then you get to do things like go forward with your distribution. You get to be more aggressive in your direct to consumer channel because you still have value back to the brick and mortar retailer. So I don't fault them at all for leveraging their position. I think if it were me, I would be doing the exact same thing. Well, I mean, we're seeing it on the opposite way. Like many brands these days launch online and we've talked about them searching for growth through brick and mortar. And that's exactly what's happening with Nectar. You know, I mean, if they would have launched Nectar back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they would have been advertising direct response TV, building their brand, maybe selling it through home shopping and things like that. And then you go to your retailer, say, hey, people are going to come in pre-sold. People like our brand. People know our brand. Will you carry it? It's just a different way of going about it. And you know, that's, that's kind of Nectar's play these days. They're, they're saying, hey, we're going to bring people into your store. We know how to drive them to a local dealer locator, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's brand. People, you know, and this is what, this is what you know, Keith Koenig said from City Furniture and Floor. He's like, people want, or retailers, mattress retailers, want brands they believe in. They're just 
aren't enough. And so there that's why they're enough. going pl- I don't private think, label. Come on, man. I don't think there's any, truthfully. I think the only, the only relevant brand, if I was a retailer, the only relevant brand today is Tempur-Pedic. I'm sorry for all the Sealy and Stearns and Foster and Simmons and Serta guys. I, I know that you a lot of people are holding on to those old feelings of the brand and the relevance of that. But I'm going to tell you something. The consumer review... And word of mouth is the great equalizer today. Well, no, hold on. When you say relevant brand, do you mean relevant I brand just mean, brick and mortar? Because how many people the are most coming... relevant brand is Casper. Agreed. And and Nectar, I would put them in there. But I'm talking about the traditional brick and mortar brands. I And so I said this to Greg, um, the nationwide guy with Sweet Dreams. Um, he and I were talking about his merchandising strategy. And I said, Greg, I have to be honest. When I was with Sealy and Serta... And there were people like Rastonic and Englander and Sutherland and and Symbol selling against our brand back then, mostly Sealy when I was with them. And their game was always saying to the retailer, the retailer is the brand. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, because back then we were investing in our brand and I felt very strongly that that wasn't the case. Today, I really believe the retailer is the brand more than ever because they're the ones in in the local market with the relationship with the consumer and doing the stuff that's making it happen every day because the absence of any real strong push from the traditional brands is making that retailer the the brand again with the exception of temper react to that one. Oh, this has been an ongoing debate in the mattress industry for a long time. And I would, I would say this, I believe that most retailers believe they are the brand. Otherwise, they wouldn't be investing in private label. And that is happening overwhelmingly. So here's the litmus test for the retailers listening to this. Here's my litmus test for you. What would you require me to do to give me 3 to 5% of your gross margin? Write me a check every month at the end of the month. What would it require? So I asked this to um, my buddy Austin Bond with Beds Express, and he said, you're freaking crazy. I'm not writing you a check for 5%. (laughs) There's very little you can do. So my my question is, if you have a brand, and I'm doing air quotes here, um, that you feel strongly enough about, if people aren't coming into your store asking for it specifically, die hard, I gotta have it, then I would question whether or not, if you're paying a premium, for that brand outside of temper, I would ask why I really would. Is it worth it? Because if they're not driving traffic to your store and the consumer isn't hell bent on having it over other things that I'm suggesting to you that you might be giving up margin dollars. I'm just saying, well, you're also saying that every brand that's not private label needs to spend potentially millions, if not tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to build their brand. If, if you want that kind of leverage, I would say yes. Outside of that, you know what the game is? It's kick-ass story. It's big profiles. It's great beds. It's easy to understand for the retail sales associate to sell it. It's adding value that gives the retailer the teeth they need to justify the ticket you're asking for the consumer to pay, right? And and so if it's guys like us, we don't have brand, then it's our job also is to build reviews. 
because reviews is a very valuable intangible asset that I think people need to be paying a lot of attention to. So yeah, I think that's I think that's really where it is, man, because you know what? 7,000 five-star reviews for a $249 queen-size visco foam bed. That's real. Amazon Green Tea Zenus 12-inch no, profile. No brand of that. They've got what? 50 Amazon is 50% of the digital By the way, my neighbor days. bought one of these things before oh, she knew I was in the, in the bedding business and I said, "How's that working out for you?" And and she's a doctor by the way. Does she like sex on the memory foam bed? And she said, "Well, we got two of them and one of them is really lumpy and like the covers completely different than the mm. other one. And then one of them's it's kind of okay, but I don't know." I can sleep anywhere. So, in other words, a huge advocate. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I, buying I don't know, it again. Like, I no think doubt. the reviews are real, is what I'm saying. All right. So I don't know. You guys can debate us on some of this. I, I just you well, know after after talking to retailers and knowing something about consumer preference, I think we're at least on semi stable ground here. Well, and meanwhile, back at the ranch, I mean, the other big piece of news is Mattress One filing bankruptcy as well. And so Dave Perry uh, sent me his advanced version of the story. And so in Furniture Day, you can read it, but it's going to say, you know, essentially Mattress One, Orlando-based, family-owned, is involved in like 90 lawsuits. What? 90 lawsuits. How do you get involved in 90 lawsuits? You could be stirring up the mix, I guess. Well, I don't know. You know what? There's been, this is the best like conspiracy theory company ever. Because I've heard, so I'm not even going to say them because they're outrageous, but I've heard some crazy stuff about this. I don't know anyone at Mattress One, but they have this like thing that people like to talk about. Like, you know, they're connected to certain things and, you know, it's not really a mattress company. Course, Could you be less specific, well, they, please? They, they said Could you like, like dial back okay. the vividness here they just a little bit? like that about mattress firm, too. So I guess it's... Oh, okay. Know, so he's saying go, fray, go to Reddit and you can figure go out... Go to Reddit, right. Anyway. That you can decode so, what Quinn's saying. So, so yeah, mattress one, man. So they're, so what, they're in 11 now, right? Yeah, they're filing for bankruptcy. I mean, it's just... It's another kind of bullet point in this long list of reset is how I think about it. And we've talked about this before, but I mean, who's going to emerge on the other side of this as a winner? And, and I've said this before and we've banged this drum a million times, but the online people, you know, if they are responsible for this in any way, you know, they are looking for growth, right? And they're trying to find growth with their own brick and mortar Retail stores or like Nectar, they're trying to sell the traditional retail. So you think they'll make it? Like, what do you know about these guys? I mean, are they going to... Which guys? Mattress One guys. No, I, I have no idea. I don't know I anything. Don't... I don't. So if you know anything, let us know. Go to the Facebook page or send us a note. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, when you look at IMS, when you look at Mattress Firm, you look at Mattress One, these are major players, you know, going through, um, you know, getting... This is a big deal. So let's let's do flash forward. Right. And so um, with this, uh, there is a ripple effect and people selling to these companies or uh, working for these companies. There's a lot of questions there. So um, projecting forward, I, I think that the retailer who keeps and, and we'll say this for the betting brand as well, the retailer and the betting brand who are true to their people and they are true to their customer and that is the laser beam focus of what they do. 
uh, and they they really understand and pay attention to the macro trends of brick and mortar shopping and uh, e-commerce things like that uh, as well. Obviously, the, those are the those are the guys that are gonna, that are going to really flourish going forward. You know what so. I think? He, this is what has been has that to oversimplify. Something? Yeah, I mean, again, being so specific. <laughs> I think that, that was very no, specific. No, it was good. It was good. Here's what's ping-ponging back and forth in my mind. It's it's a few things. Number one, I think the mattress store has to evolve to be the brand, like, like we talked about, that is seen as a curator of cool, a curator like of relevant. If you think about the restoration hardware story, I've been to the Restoration Hardware in Chicago. I haven't been to one in New York City. But you go there and you have this elegant dining experience and you end up walking around with a glass of wine or whatever, a drink, looking at this beautiful furniture knowing that if you bought it, it's going to look fantastic. It's going to last. It's amazing stuff. If you go into some of these like shops, like there's a, pl- there's a publication called Monocle. And it's just this quirky monocle. Monocle. I love that. I want a monocle. It is. You look great It'd be a, in a, a monocle. good senate signature look, right? Maybe. Just, yeah. who, who wears a monocle? Hey, but we can't forget have, the bow tie. You know wear what? the monocle. You and I can't do a monocle. Why? Why? Because we're dose, Marcos. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like a donicle would just be dosical. A dosical. <laughs> that's just glasses, right? So the monocle has a shop. And they curate all these really nice objects from around the world. And you look at the Monocle brand, and they're a media company, but you know whatever they sell at their shop is going to be cool, and it's going to have a flavor to it. It's going to have an aesthetic. It's going to have kind of a narrative that they are only going to apply to it. So if you can become the curator of cool of cool, uh, you know, and have a voice that goes along with your shop. When I say a voice, meaning something that gives it cohesiveness. Like why are all of these mattresses or these sleep objects or whatever it is assembled under one roof? Mm-hmm. I think then, then you can position yourself as the brand who's going to curate things that are trustworthy. If, I mean, honestly, I mean, I think about Sam's club, I go in there knowing this is going to be pretty darn good stuff. And if something happens, I can take it back. You know, so that's true. And I just, to, to, go ahead. No, I have another point about, so beyond curation, yeah. I think this new world that we're living in is going to make brand even more important. No question about it. Because, my gosh, Hello. I didn't know. What was that? Uh, so apparently my computer's hooked up to okay. something. There you go. So, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> no, that was that was to indicate for, that no, no, no. I was I was for correct. The, for, ding ding ding. Stop. For He's the correct. record, if that was my device, you would be busting my butt right now, would you not? I yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would be like, Mr. Mr., are you okay? <laughs> see see how easy I'd be like, am? Mr. I, I don't bust there you. Is out. Okay, so back to your final point then. Yeah, so curators number one. And there it is again. And then there it mul- is again. There it is again. Text. Oh my gosh. So curators, yes, that's correct. Ding ding ding, indicates is correct. But the brand becomes even more important because um, people are going to be searching for something that they can connect with. And merchandisers are going to be searching for something that's fully supported. And if here's the deal. Do like, you think that's can you different expect, though? Has that changed? Has that always been the case though? It is. It has always been the case. But I'm, like, I, I, have a, I have this feeling that like, if you're a retailer and you also want to develop your own brands... Which are you going to invest in? Which are you going to resource properly? Which are you going to put time and attention to? 
your retail location, swing the door, delivery, right. good training. You're not going to be sitting there going product, innovation, componentry, aesthetic, meeting with suppliers. Right. It's a different core competency. And then beyond that, the brand beyond product becomes something that um, is meaningful to those who are curating. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I can't argue with that. And uh, by the way, speaking of that, as you were talking about that, um, I've heard a lot about what Art Van is doing. And they're curating cool. Mm. They're doing a lot of stuff. They just did a major remodel. Are they going to have Mark Quinn cutouts? Mm, no. <laughs> yes, that would be yes really... And. Yes, and Mark Kinsley cutouts. Ah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> uh, and they're going to be giving away free Dos Marcos t-shirts to everyone who buys a bed, yeah, which I, I think like is super smart. Going. They're going to be like people like knocking down their door. Mm. Um, but no, they're doing some really cool stuff with their stores, uh, focusing a little bit differently, trying to change this shopping experience. So I think that's, uh, those are the kinds of guys, like we said before, those are the kinds of guys that are going to get it done and get paid because they're doing some cool stuff. So get paid, make money, get money. Paid. So yeah, man, what a week. So we, you know what? We weren't even scheduled to do this podcast, but given everything that's going on, we're like, yeah, man, we gotta, we have no choice. We have to bump it up. We gotta, we gotta get something out there. So anyway, um, back to it guys. It's Friday afternoon where we are and, uh, we're hoping that you guys are having a great week and sliding into a weekend and, you know, we're, uh, coming up on, um, May right around the corner. Yeah, so. and, and I say, Hey, as much as we're, you know, we want to give you our honest opinion about the industry. And as much as we're, you know, critical about things that have happened, I do wish Steve Stagner, all the best, Michael Traub, all the best. Um, you know, the people at mattress one, we don't know them No, but if you know, good things are happening, you know, all the best. Like we want this to be a healthy industry, um, but we are gonna, you know, we're gonna put topics under the magnifying glass and and bring those to the surface. And we want to know what you think, and we want to get you connected to it. So if you want to head over to Facebook or hit us up on LinkedIn, we definitely want to know your thoughts. No too. doubt, not our job to judge anything there. Uh, we bring up things that have been shared with us. We bring up perspective, and uh, you guys can figure it out for yourselves. But uh, I agree. We want to wish those guys well and thank them really for their contribution to the industry. Those guys have been around a, a lot of people and made some real positive contributions to people. And uh, done some good things. So uh, congratulations for that. And, uh, you know, getting on to the next phase and like everyone else um, changes. I don't know. I like change. I think it's good. I think um, there could be a, a new chapter for everyone and something positive right around the corner. So. Yeah, it's almost like this. Sometimes whenever you fall and absolutely bust your face and people around you think you might be bleeding, you <laughs> think you might be bleeding. Sometimes you just get right up and, and you dust yourself, dust yourself off. off. It start so all, all over, over again. again. Yeah. We didn't plan that. That nah, was good. That was good. All right. Did we hey. harmonize there? Yeah, I don't think we did. If we if we did, it was accidental. Uh, all right, everyone, have a great weekend. And guess what? Guess what? I I think. By the way, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> bad toss. We have. Uh, I when I was in Florida, um, I had the privilege of showing the famous Tate guys the best rap song ever produced. And they loved it. And this is a little taste. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh. Yeah, bounce with it. Bounce with it. Bounce with it. Bounce with it. All right. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut.
peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool as ice and I'm hot like a heater. Bounce by the ounce, now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth, the bounce all night. Yeah. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get hybrid. If you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Right, listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming When your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no, you need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low We got that type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot So stick with us and you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. mattresses.